Welcome to Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a while now, our desire is that by the end of our time together, you can say that you've fallen more in love with Jesus and have a greater passion for Him and His purposes in the earth. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Passion and Purpose. And for those watching on the screen, a few of my favorite friends are here. I think that's a song from Sound of Music. These guys can sing, too. So if it gets a little boring, we can go into (laughs) these are a few of my favorite things. But uh, uh, we got Mikhail Walcott over here, man of God, uh, dear friend. We got my son, Caleb. Yes, sir. <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> and Sierra Savito. Sarah, Sierra, hello. Hello. Glad you guys are here. <laughs> hey, we have, uh, they've been helping me out working on a new book, Five Circles of Church. It's coming out soon. So it's been a lot of fun just talking about Jesus, doing church, being church. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason I'm having these guys on today, I could talk about several things, but these guys are all going as a part of a team to plant a church in Miami, Florida. pumped about that but what we always talk about when we send people out we say look if you're not willing to be a witness be a disciple maker at home we're not going to just send you down the road and and you're going to expect all of a sudden we're going to land and do it Mm -hmm. so the joy of you guys life has been being uh, um, together in washington dc you guys went there to plant and disciple people, and it seems like it's been a lot of fun, seeing a lot of fruit, and it's that that grace from D.C. that you're actually carrying uh, as you're being sent out to plant mm-hmm. Miami. So, Caleb, tell us, tell us a little bit about D.C., how you guys landed there, and uh, then everybody kind of share how you connected to the church and what God did while you were there. Yeah, sounds great. Um, so, right after college, I was overseas uh, in the refugee crisis in northern Greece, came back to the States to go to grad school, and the last half of that was in Washington, D.C. And I knew when I was praying about graduate school that God was leading me to a school that at least had some component in D.C. So it felt purposeful to be there to learn about the church's role in city transformation and some of the stuff that I was mm-hmm. uh, believing for. But uh, Along the way, I really wanted to see disciples made in the workplace. And I had a friend who had gone to an Antioch church in College Station and had been a life group leader and a section leader, and and I had been as well. And we were talking about how house church, life group, had so transformed our lives in college and thought, well, we know how to do this. And honestly, we just need the accountability um, to share the gospel in our workplace and have a place to invite people. And so... So we said we were going to be roommates together for the first few months that I was in D.C. And we said, well, what if we just do a three-month life group and we can invite our coworkers and we'll just see how it goes. And so we thought initially it was just going to be a few months. God did some beautiful things. We reached out to a lot of young people in the city, started gathering together, uh, started discipleship groups in our offices. And about six months in, uh, it kind of got to the point where we said, okay, we kind of have a church. And so we really need to get clear, is God calling us to plant something that's a longer work in the city? Or we're local church people, so we'll come up under a church that's already here in D.C. if the calling is to plant something. Spent some time praying about it and felt really clearly that God was saying, no, it's, it's right to plant and uh, kind of take the community that we already had and believe for God to continue to multiply and grow it. So that was, can, I, can I jump in here a second on yeah. that? You know, we, we had this conversation because there's different ways that you go out and plant. And a lot of times you start a Sunday morning first or 
Um, you know, there's different, you would do a big evangelistic crusade, different things that you do. And our admonition, not just from myself, uh, kind of being an overseer of the Antioch movement, but with our other overseers was, look, we believe house church is the centrality of, of the church, right? In the Bible, the word house to house is used more than any other expression for how we do church, Acts 2, 42 through 47. And so basically, because they were already doing church, we said, well, now why would you then kind of um, break this group up and just join something else if you already have a community going? Because I think so many times we think church has to be a big you know, splash on the front end where literally organically church really is birthed from the inside out. Right. A group of friends reaching friends, multiplying out for the glory of God. So for us, it was a lot of fun, uh, even as an Antioch movement, to say, okay, in D.C., they're going to do it a little different. They're just going to start with this house church, multiply it out. And there was no pressure to pull off a Sunday or anything else because you guys were doing the basics of your faith. You're sharing the gospel, making disciples, meeting house to house. Right. So... Um, I'm going to pull the other guys here in just a minute how they got connected. But go ahead and just uh, tell us. So eventually, though, those house churches grew and y'all start meeting corporately. And where did you meet corporately? That's right. So we we started to multiply our house church. Originally, it was all young people in their 20s. We had some families that joined that started their own house church. And uh, we started to meet in uh, my brother-in-law and sister's living room the week they moved to D.C. They literally moved in the night before, and the next morning we had church in their living room. And uh, got to the point, I think we had 50 or 60 people packing out this living room, and I mean, literally hanging off the stairs. And we said, okay, we've got to find a bigger space. We found a loft above a Starbucks uh, that if we bought Starbucks for Jesus, <laughs> it was like it was like we had to buy two hundred fifty dollars worth of coffee, and they would give us the whole space for three hours. So, wow. so we bought what's big... that five cups in DC? So we got these big vats of coffee, and that was our ticket in the door. Uh, so we gathered above a Starbucks on Sunday mornings, and then uh, continued to grow. And uh, real estate in DC is uh, very very hard to find, mm -hmm. and. We knew we'd need a miracle regardless, but we were just praying, Lord, where is the, the space kind of you've made room for us? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and um, there's a beautiful organization in D.C. called YWAM D.C. Uh, people are probably familiar with Youth with a Mission. Uh, they have a base in, in D.C., but it operates a little differently because their main purpose is 24-7 worship and prayer to Jesus. Yeah, amazing, amazing. People. And so they operate two simultaneous 24-7 prayer spaces, which I'm not aware of that happening in any other city by yeah. one organization. They're just laying down their lives. Shout out to Jason. Love go, buddy. Jason Hershey <laughs> yes. and the team are just incredible. Mm -hmm. And um, and they have been friends from the early days of me and a couple friends showing up in D.C. And uh, so they... We met up with them, and they said, hey, we know your church is growing. We have a tent on the National Mall, and uh, we just do 24-7 worship out of there. If you guys are looking for a larger space to gather, what if you came and took our Sunday morning slot? So so we just were like, great, we'll do it. And we had no idea how long it was going to be. Um, and that was summer of 2019. Uh, we started to gather at David's Tent, this outdoor 300-person wedding tent on the National Mall. And four years later, uh, still there. Still and, there, man. Uh, Every Sunday at 10 uh, o'clock. And yeah. so many beautiful encounters with God in that space. Right. Um, and I think in many ways, 
you know, it's always the case that we're standing on the shoulders of ancestors <coughs> and yeah. others who have gone before us. But we really saw that in D.C. because mm -hmm. we're literally standing in a space that somebody else has sacrificed and contended and believed for. And God's met with us in a powerful way. And we've had so many people, mm -hmm. because it's an outdoor worship gathering, that got connected to our church because they just wandered by the tent one day, stuck their head in, and encountered God in a powerful now, way. Now, I'm, I'm going to stop you here because we're going to pick that back up related to Miami in a moment. But Sierra, how'd you get involved in NAIVC VC and kind of what was one of, just give me like a testimony or experience that kind of marks your time. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, yeah, the first time I went to Antioch DC was in 2020. It's also was my first time really going to Antioch. I am from Waco, Texas, but do yeah. I know, but I didn't grow up going to Antioch in Waco. And so my mom told me that there was a church plant from an Antioch church and she was like, this Sunday, you should go. And all she did was send me the address. And that Uber driver took me to this address, but there was no building. And I didn't know where I was supposed to go. And I felt very Sounds lost like and eventually figured out it was in a tent. And that was wonderful. And I think, um, yeah, it was a powerful experience. And when I think of what has impacted my life most in DC is I didn't grow up with a ton of discipleship or we did Bible studies, but we didn't do like life on life living. Mm -hmm. And in DC, I jumped into a community you just freshly planted. They were living life on life on mm -hmm. life. My first Sunday, I'm gonna give you just an insight. Yeah, give My us, first come Sunday, on, give us show up Sunday morning, attend church. Wonderful. They invite me to lunch. We go to like a Chipotle that's near the, t the mall. After the Chipotle, they're like, we're gonna play soccer. So I, I played soccer growing up. So I was like, oh, I love soccer. So after eating at Chipotle, we go play soccer. We do that for a couple hours. It turns out it's also the church's anniversary and we're gonna have like a church birthday party at someone's house. Uh -huh. So after this, we play soccer, we go to that person's house uh -huh. and we hang out for four hours. And next thing I know it's 10 p.m. and I've been with these people since 10 a.m. And, <laughs> and that is exactly the community that was happening live yes. on live. There was <laughs> no the escape. So yes. and it was good because I think that's how I learned to let people into my heart. I think mm. I grew up not really knowing how to let people in. Mm. And Antioch, D.C., you didn't have a choice. It was like if you're a part of this church. <laughs> they're in your business. They're in your business because they're in your life and they care yeah. and they want to love you. And uh, you can't live life on life like that and not encounter the love between yeah. one another. Yeah. So. so let me ask you one other question. Uh, so uh, you worked on the Hill. Yes. You worked in Congress. And how did... How did um, what church life you experienced, how did that help fuel you for mission? Like when, when you went to work, what, what helped from the church to keep you missional in the workplace? Yeah, definitely. So really cool. Our church ended up making a like life group, a house church that was focused strictly on Hill staffers, which worked for Capitol Hill Congress. And I think having fellow believers that were right. in the workplace, like you would walk down the hall and there was a friend that was sitting at the front desk of another office. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the beginning, it was, it was in COVID era because I arrived in DC in 2020, which was a wild time to mm -hmm. start working in Congress. Mm -hmm. um, but no one, no offices were talking to each other. Everyone was like, I'm afraid to talk to anyone else. But because outside of the building of work, we were living so much right. life on life, I wasn't intimidated to talk to them or encounter them. I remember we would go to um, like the Rotunda, which is like the yeah. center of the Capitol, and we would pray there. We would go on prayer walks. Or I think that was the most powerful thing is the ability to, that I wasn't just doing a job and I was isolated and I was alone, 
but community met me in that place. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to my community. I, I think of so many people that lived or that started in our church is because we shared the gospel with them at work. I like think of yeah. our house church. I mean, countless people that didn't, weren't in our community, right. but because of work and because they saw our community and how we were living at work, yes, they wanted to be a part of it and they started yeah. coming to church. So yeah. Huge. Sounds like uh, Acts 2. Uh, where it says they were watching him and said people were being added day by day. Those were being saved. And, of course, believers that were disconnected mm-hmm. um, in community. So speaking of community, Mikhail, how did you get involved in the DC? Yeah, so I, uh, I graduated in 2019. I moved back home to Maryland where I was from for what I thought would be a short period. And I was familiar with David's tent already. Uh, and I was there just to pray and worship myself when someone invited me to go to Antioch. And I wasn't particularly interested because I was very convinced that I would be moving shortly to travel abroad, go overseas. And so I thought, kind of thought, what's the point of being involved in a church sure. community that I'll be a part of for a couple weeks at most? Um, and then I also had this thing where I was like, I don't really, in college I experienced such great community where we really did life together and went deep in discipleship and I thought I don't want to be involved with like a Sunday church service maybe Wednesday Bible study type community and I I told the person who invited me that and he said no I I promise you Antioch is not (laughs) like that (laughs) like that's not going to be your experience so I said okay I'll give it a try and my first Sunday I remember people sharing sharing testimonies of sharing the gospel with their Uber driver and leading this person to the Lord and praying for their coworker and seeing God work in their lives. And I thought, oh, well, this is, this is a different community <laughs> than what I anticipated. And um, actually that Sunday I had some words for Caleb. Uh, I've been telling this story lately. It was really funny. I was like, I, I was trying to explain what I was seeing in the spirit. And I was like, I don't really know how to explain this, but it's like, this isn't just church to you. It's like family somehow. And it's like, it's like, it's deeper. It's like you've committed for life somehow to really build whatever this thing is that God's put in your heart. And I didn't, obviously didn't know anything about him. Uh, and so then we became friends and then I was experiencing life in community and my vision for what I wanted, always hoped church could be. And so that's how I ended up staying in DC for Antioch. I didn't have work in DC yet since I wasn't, since that wasn't my plan. Um, and then, kind of built life from there. So before we before we go into um, talking about Miami and, and all that God's been speaking to you guys, so you had some really crazy things happen in D.C., David's tent alone, because the flaps are open, people walking in. That, that could be a whole day's worth of stories. Yeah. But right in the middle of 2020, you guys had COVID, you had protests, you had all kinds of crazy stuff going on. So you guys got this idea to set up a little booth out in front of the White House during the protests. So I just love this. Just tell us what you did. Just if people are wondering, like, how do I share the gospel? Here's a great creative way. What, what did you guys do? Yeah, yeah. So, so I was really involved with the protests. It's um, it's a funny story. The day before the I, the George Floyd video was released, I had this whole spiritual encounter with God in Philadelphia, where I felt like God was saying, "Macau, you're an American." I, you know, sovereignly decided you would be born in America. You need to own that identity, all these things. My parents are foreigners, so I just casually owned or didn't own being American. So when that happened, that was the first time an event like that happened where I had fully owned being American and suddenly it had implications for me. And so then I'm like, okay, God, I had that experience the day before this happened. And so how do you want me to engage with this? And of course, God's answer for 
all complex issues of society, all injustice, all things is the kingdom of God and Jesus being king and Jesus being the righteous king and judge is the one who makes all things right. So uh, people, my heart response to people being out there protesting is people are hungry and thirsty for righteousness and justice and God wants to satisfy them. Even if whether they're looking for it earnestly or not, it doesn't matter. That's God wants to satisfy people. And my other heart response was, Gosh, can you imagine trying to essentially do the role of an inter- of being an intercessor, but without Jesus? <laughs> that would be so hard. People are standing out there, right. you know, holding signs and and petitioning invisible powers, essentially, but without Jesus, they don't know the intercessors. So it's like, Lord, help us introduce them to the one who will actually satisfy their heart's desires, the one who actually can bring transformation to the very serious society. So, um, uh, my friends and I asked God for wisdom, like, how do we? take all of that and respond. He gave us this idea of a, what we call the mental health meditation table <laughs> in front of the White House. Mental health meditation table yeah, yeah. in front of the White House. Okay. Yeah. And so people would come and they'd be like, what is this? And we're like, well, let's just pray for you and, and you can experience, do you have this going on? And we ask God for words of knowledge, it was often true. And then we would pray for them and um, share what we were seeing, share different prophetic words. People would often be in tears, crying, and then we would share how Jesus is the answer to what they're looking for. And um, several people gave their lives to the Lord, encountered God powerfully, and it led to follow-up discipleship in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. um, and it was beautiful. Some people found an uh, found a place to put their pain, right? Because sure. so many people carried pain and didn't know what to do with it or where to put it. And of course, Jesus is the one who bore our griefs mm-hmm. and our sorrows. Mm-hmm. So what an honor to help people help introduce people to the one who bears their griefs and sorrows. Yes. So mental health and meditation. Yeah, that's, right. that's the evangelistic tool. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but, but actually, what I want to say about that is, you know, many times we go into a culture and people say, "Oh, people can't be saved here, or it's mm-hmm. too hard, or it's too difficult, or, mm-hmm. or especially during what was going mm-hmm. on in our nation, you know, hey, I just need to stay away from what's going on." Mm-hmm. We're not called to back away from. We're called to run to the battle, not from the battle, mm-hmm. but to get the battle right. It's yeah. the for hearts of men and women. Yep. In the end, if Jesus doesn't conquer the heart, the external never has a satisfactory outcome. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's been so painful. We see unsatisfactory outcomes for whichever angle you're looking at this, and it's because our hearts aren't His, yeah. right? Yeah. And you guys brought Jesus in a beautiful way. So, um, so hey, let's, let's shift this. You guys are taking beautiful community. You're headed to Miami. So what got you to go to Miami, Florida. I mean, from Waco, Texas, bro. Uh-huh. How'd you end up DC? I get that, but then yeah. DC to Miami. You know, I really love the beach. There's a lot of good reasons to go to Miami. Yeah. Now, you know, the story's it's so funny because it's been almost a two year journey of God highlighting the city in prayer mm-hmm. and then us kind of exploring, God, we know you're doing something there. What's our part to play? Um, so there have been so many great moments along the way. I think initially it was in a prayer time with all of us and a few of our friends. You three uh, and a few others. A few friends. Oh, me in Kansas City. Kansas City, yeah. You were there? I, praise God. You were there? <laughs> we're, we're praying. We're, it was you know a year after COVID and all the yeah. chaos of that last year. And we were like, God, what are you doing in America? And how do we respond? And you started to pray for Miami out of yes. left field. We were praying for cities, yes. global yeah. cities in, in the U.S., you start to pray for Miami and the presence of God fills the room and we went at it. I mean, like contending prayer, yes, God um, breaks something open uh, that the city would fulfill its redemptive call. You know, we're going mm-hmm. at it. God 
I mean, Misa was powerfully in the room. And I remember we left and we were kind of like, well, that was unusual. You know, like, like Miami, we don't have any connections to it. And we had spent, so for the summer, we're, we're kind of thinking about that, pondering it, I guess, and thinking about how to respond. A couple people had dreams about Miami, so we felt like, all right, we've got to take action in some way. And I think one thing I love about our group of friends is we, like, I want to live the Bible. Mm-hmm. What we see in the Bible, sure, we want to see that played out in our lives. Mm-hmm. And Luke 10, you know, one of the famous kind of short-term trip passages, mm-hmm. Jesus sent people out in twos to places he was going to go mm-hmm. on scouting trips mm-hmm. to proclaim the kingdom. And yes. we thought, well, God's highlighting a city where he wants his kingdom to come. Let's go on a scouting trip. Uh, sure. And so we literally rented an Airbnb and five of us jumped on a plane uh, and we went down there and thought, well, if the worst thing that happens is we pray for a couple of days yeah, and come share on. the gospel with some people yes. on the street, it's great. And God met with us so powerfully and so many beautiful confirmations that he was moving there. We saw somebody go into remission from cancer. We saw somebody pulled out of an Eastern meditation group and get plugged into community and still uh, walking in community and discipleship today. So just beautiful fruit. And, um, but, but maybe one story that was, that was kind of a turning point, we came back to DC kind of wrote a scouting report for our church. Uh, what's God speaking? You know, what's he doing in the city? And, uh, but still thinking about, okay, we could send short-term trips. What does investment look like there? We're worshiping at David's tent one Sunday, and a couple comes in the back, and they grab Mikal, actually, and he pulls me over. I'd given the word on being deployed um, with a yes. friend. Yeah, we were preaching on That's being right. deployed somewhere. Yes, you were preaching on being yes. deployed on mission. <laughs> so they come, they come up, and they say to us, uh, they were in their mid to late 20s, um, and they said, we're from Miami. We were riding by on scooters, little electric scooters on the National Mall. We heard worship, and we had to come in. Uh, and they said, and whatever God is doing here, we need it down in our city. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're like, what in the world? And we start to pray for these guys, and the presence of God hits them mm-hmm. powerfully. We get some words of knowledge for them. Um, and in 20 minutes, it was like we had a, I describe it, it was like we had a year of relational history. Like these guys uh-huh. just loved us, trusted us. We loved them, trust them, you know? And, uh, and still to this day, they're some of our best friends uh, mm-hmm. in the city. So that was sort of the beginning of the journey. We ended up sending a couple of short-term teams down there from Antioch, D.C. along the way in our own personal prayer you know, process, sure. seeking God felt really clearly that uh, that it's a it's a unique hour for Miami, right? And uh, it's yeah. on Jesus's heart. He he yeah. wants yeah. the city, mm-hmm. and I think for all of us, we're like, man, I, I want to be about what he's about. What is he yeah. interceding for? What does he desire? And if we're available, um, and his friends, then we want to go love him in the city and yes. see people transform. So that was the turning point for us. Okay, we're going and. We're church planners. We're called to reproduce church everywhere we go. And so Come on. we're going to do church. Yes, you are. So, Sierra, what connected you to Miami? What did God speak to you? What sealed the deal for you? Yeah, I think, well, I, f- I feel like the Lord just came to me in a few different dreams of, hey, this is a place that is precious to me. And I think it's precious to the Lord when I think back to some of those dreams I had had is because it's a place that I think a lot of people just are like, well, that's the culture there. That's the way it is. Right. That's the way it's been. And um, 
and I feel like God is writing a different narrative. He's saying the harvest is ripe. I'm moving mm. yes. and I need laborers. Is there anyone mm. willing to just lay down their life and mm -hmm. come serve me mm. and come love the city the way I want to love them? Mm. And what, one word that I think we've heard have held on to is that we would behold his beauty in that city. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something I learned in DC mm -hmm. is through David's tent, I feel like we had the opportunity to enter into the presence in a beautiful way every mm -hmm. Sunday because mm -hmm. prayer was just fueled mm -hmm. in that tent mm -hmm. every week, week in, week out. We were able to experience something special. Mm -hmm. And I think there aren't enough people praying for Miami. Mm -hmm. I think that was like, God wants us to be praying for the things that are on his heart. Mm -hmm. And as we've met more people in Miami, that's the one thing they consistently tell us is how, um, we need to be praying more and like yeah. how do you move things forward i think that's what i keep thinking of is how do you actually move things forward in the natural right and it doesn't start in the natural right. it doesn't start oh mm -hmm. we go and build which is mm -hmm. why i think we're doing everything we're doing this summer is setting mm -hmm. up a prayer base mm -hmm. and saying god we want you to find a dwelling place here we want to find mm -hmm. that you would find your place here in the city and mm -hmm. so i think that's what motivates me to want to go to miami yes wow well so many things we could say about uh, church planting, about friendship. But I, if you guys have been tracking with me the last few months, keep using this phrase, union with God, communion with the saints, and partnership with his mission. Mm -hmm. This is the gospel, it's just all wrapped in there. So you guys and your friends, passionate lovers of Jesus, you've made him first place, first love. You've made him central. So whenever the vertical's right, there's, but there's another another component. It's the communion of the saints has to be right. So many times we talk about, you know, hey, me and Jesus, I'm good. You're good for eternity, but you're not good for earth. Mm. There, is a, there is a communion of the saints that is his body. Like we're all just one part. And the beauty of I love you guys, and again, there's so many people could be at this table, friends uh, that y'all have walked with. There's a communion that is inviting people makes people hungry for Jesus, makes them want to be a part. Mm -hmm. So the communion brought you guys together and then obviously partnership with his mission. And I often think, you know, maybe if you're listening today, we we kind of feel deficient in one or the other. Well, golly, I really don't feel that close to God right now. I'm not sure how to connect or I wish I had more friends that love Jesus or, or golly, partnership with his mission seems overwhelming. But the bottom line is, when we actually do church well, when we actually lean in to Jesus, when we actually lean into one another and lean in to support one another, boldly sharing the gospel, making disciples, then all things are possible. There's no end to what God can't do. So um, we're about the end of the time podcast. This is your last window. Uh, if you're talking to people out there, they need to be stirred up, encouraged, um, Faith, start in their own faith. What do you want to say? You got the last word, Mikal. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets, everybody gets the last word. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say uh, that that all those things are non-negotiable in every season of life. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes we can find ourselves uh, feeling busy in one area of life that um, would prevent us from really pressing into knowing Jesus, or that would make us feel like, oh, maybe I need to pull back from community a little bit, or maybe 
suddenly I need to, I don't have to preach the gospel as much mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And we pull back from one of those areas because of the busyness of life. But Jesus actually tells us what that is. That's the, that's the thorny soil. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the cares of the cares world, of the, world, the deceitfulness of riches the and things. the desire for other things. Yeah. Um, so no matter how busy the season or complicated the life station, there's always got to be great commandment, great commission and pressing into the family and community of God. Love and it. those are non-negotiable. So we got to just figure it out. Come on. I would say, and I'm, we're thinking about this because we're talking about the front end of building something new. Um, I've just been more convinced than ever that we want to see things built by the Spirit. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Where John yeah. 3 says, yeah. that which is flesh is flesh, but that which is Spirit is Spirit. Right. And um, I've been thinking a lot about, and as Sierra mentioned, we're, we're doing a house of prayer this summer to start everything, where we're just going to do two months of 40 plus hours a week in the prayer room. And thinking about the Acts 2 process where, uh, you know, the believers had just seen Jesus. Uh, they'd been given all these promises. There had to be a lot of them that were fired up and ready to go. And Jesus's commandment is stay in the upper room until the Holy Spirit comes. Mm -hmm. And they're supposed to linger. It's like how many times in Psalms does it say, wait on the Lord, be strong, yeah, you know, let your heart take courage, wait on the Lord. And they waited and then got affirmed by the Holy Spirit that the time was then to go. And it was accompanied with power. And the result was 3,000 people in a day and suddenly church, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think I've just been really, uh, that has been hitting me recently. Uh, like how do we, we, we are obedience action oriented people. I want to be fully surrendered and committed to obedience today. Uh, and I don't want to do it in my own strength. And so what does living a lifestyle of waiting on the Lord. And then when he makes something clear, we're quick to obey mm -hmm. with joy. Um, and that's what I get excited about in Miami, but I just think about for wherever anybody's at. Um, if you're looking for direction, uh, man, have you waited on the Lord? Have you really that's leaned good. in to say, God, mm -hmm. I don't just want to run in my own strength. Give me, give me spiritual eyes and spiritual direction mm. so that I can do things of the spirit and not of the flesh. Amen. Sierra, yeah. last word. You got it. I think the one thing that I kept telling the Lord just want to highlight is everything's better in family. Yes. Everything's uh, better in everything. family. Everything. Yes. Everything. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Whoa. So, hey, agree with me right now, Lord. We pray Thank over you, this Lord. family, this yes, family of God, these brothers, sisters, uh, mothers and fathers that are going to mm. join together for you. your work and join with the beauty of the body of Christ already in Miami. Mm -hmm. Lord, we bless all the churches, all yes, the God. men and women who've laid down their lives for Miami. And we would ask even today, would you add our portion, our cup, mm -hmm. uh, into the mix, God, with the beauty of what you're already doing. Mm -hmm. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for the team that's going to be going. And we ask, God, would you again baptize them, fill them with the Thank Holy you. Spirit, with revelation knowledge of what you're already doing and mm -hmm. the places and spaces to join you for yes. your glory. In Jesus' name, so much amen. This amen. episode of right. Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. For more information, please visit jimmycybert.com and antioch.org. We'll see you next time. Yeah.